Eventually I closed my eyes and I went in and something I guess that she had said just shifted something in me. And I was like, I am just going to let go and let the mushrooms take me wherever they want to take me. Ah, and where they want to take you is where you need to go. The mushrooms always know. Welcome back to Michael Meditations, Psilocybin Chronicles. I'm your host, Eric Osborne. You're going to hear from Sherry, a uh, young psychologist who joined us on retreat. She came for personal reasons, but I think she got a good idea of how much it's going to help her professionally as well. It's one of my longer interviews, about an hour and 20 minutes. Uh, did not work with Sherry on retreat, but we had really good conversations. She's had uh, a few interesting experiences with psilocybin prior to Myco Meditations, and she had some really out there stuff with us. So I'm going to let her tell you all about that. Won't you join me in welcoming Sherry to the Psilocybin Chronicles? Yep. All right, all right Sherry, good. welcome to the Psilocybin Chronicles. Thank you. All right. So uh, I was just telling you this is the first interview I've ever done with anybody that I did not share a retreat with. So it's a nice, fresh experience for me. Uh, this this job or role as an interviewer is not something that I have much experience with. So I appreciate uh, I'm, I'm going to be a little nervous in this too, probably, because mm-hmm. we haven't you know, built a relationship. And that's really, really important when we're talking about these experiences, or it's really valuable to have that trust and confidence that the person that you're speaking with is going to be you know, respecting what you went through already. I, I've heard a little bit of what you all went through yesterday. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, you came here to do some really vulnerable work. Yeah. And this is a continuation of, of that. So, uh, again, thanks very much. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So uh, I always love this question. There's so many different answers. If you could take psilocybin mushrooms now uh, with anybody from a time in history, who would that be? Yeah, so as I was thinking through this question, um, I had a first answer come to me, which was um, Nancy McWilliams, who is a psychologist and a psychoanalyst and um, who has been described as the Beyonce of psychotherapy. So (laughs) I think it would be really, really valuable to sit with someone so wise in that really sort of open space um, and so does she dance? I mean, why, why is she the Beyonce? Oh, just because sp- she's a rock star. Okay. She just has a way of taking really complicated concepts and articulating them in ways that are so intelligent and easy to take in. And she sort of shares from her own experiences sometimes. And she's just, yeah, she's just like the therapist that I always aspire to and aspire to be. So. Yeah, so my first instinct was to go with her because I think it would be really lovely to like, I mean, I think it would be lovely to have a conversation with her anyway, but Mm. in that state of my openness and her openness. Mm. And um, she also, you know, talks about being a spiritual person and having sort of a spiritual practice. So for all of those reasons, I, you know, she was sort of the first person that came to mind for me. And then as I kept thinking about it, I was like, well, wait a minute, like who would be the person who would, be the person who would sort of benefit most from a psychedelic or psilocybin experience. Um, And then the answer that came to me was Donald Trump. (laughs) um, I'll let you take that dose with him. I don't want any part of (laughs) that one. Anything to do with that. Um, And sort of (laughs) what what would, what would, what would come out 
about him, um, you know, sort of would there be an ability in him to be able to sort of own his own stuff and, you know, feel it as his own fear um, and gain, you know, a glimpse of an insight into how much harm he's done and get him to soften up enough to be like, I'm going to step aside and let someone else take <laughs> over. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I, I think there's you know the part of me that's more sort of pragmatic is like i think that the world would benefit most from someone like that or a hitler or something like that having this kind of experience to sort of to think about how would history be different mm -hmm. if some of these people were able to um yeah like you know whether it's feel the divine or be able to again sort of have more of an understanding uh, of the way that they're harming people or, s or something to that effect or soften mm -hmm. up in some way or be reborn or however we want to think about it um so yeah and i you know as with nancy mcwilliams i think it would also just be interesting if in a terrible way to just meet trump and sort of it would be a i can only imagine yeah. like a really high dose what kind of <laughs> stuff might could come out but that's it's interesting that you approach it from more of a compassionate you know your your original reason for wanting to to dose him would be to help him kind of process and and work through his stuff and a lot of people when they say oh you know i want to dose trump just so he'll like wake up or whatever but like before he, before any of us can wake up we've got to really be able to to feel our own pain and what we've been through you know and so the question of whether or not he would even be able to access that is Hmm. Really valid. Uh, twenty huh. grams. I would not want to start with twenty grams. <laughs> <laughs> Golly! Wow. Okay. No, that's great. And and Nancy McWilliams. Do you know if she's had any experience with psychedelics? Does she talk about I, it in her? I don't know. I I've never read anything to that effect. Okay. I okay. So you are in the field of psychology. I um, am. When were you introduced to psychedelics? Um, I think it was in my third year, third or fourth year of graduate school, um, a friend of mine had come to visit and she was, yeah, she's sort of this hippy dippy sort and, um, told me that she really wants to have mushrooms with me. And, um, I got in contact with a friend of mine who sort of had access and, uh, would it help to kind of talk about that first yeah, experience? Yeah, I mean, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, this was sure. while you were in school, though. This is while I was in graduate school. Okay, yes, and I think it was like probably twenty six. And, and surely you had heard of psilocybin or magic mushrooms before yes. that. Did you have kind of a, a, a preconception about them? Like when your friend brought this up, were you like, "Oh God, more hippie shit"? Or <laughs> <laughs> I think the I think the preconception was sort of the visuals that we all imagine mm -hmm. with the colors and the. Um, there was in North Carolina where I was living for a little bit in my early 20s. There was a restaurant called I don't I don't even remember anymore. It was like the Magic Mushroom or something mm -hmm. like that, and it sort of had all those colors. And so yeah, I I guess I associated it with like colors and patterns and the 60s or um, so. Those were sort of my initial associations mm -hmm. 
So she showed up with mushrooms? She didn't. No, she showed up alone, but she, uh, I, I knew someone who had access to mushrooms, okay. which were baked into this delicious Nutella cannoli. <laughs> so that, that was a really delightful first experience with them. Um, she was also very good about um, sort of preparing me for it. And we sort of went grocery shopping the day before. And she was like, okay, you're going to want coconut water. You're going to want this kind of cheese. Like we, we got, you know, <laughs> we sort of stocked up. And she made sure we had candles. She's like, you're going to want to walk around the house with candles. So she was, she was a really good person to kind of introduce me yeah. to it. Um, and kind of talked me through some of the fear I was feeling and assured me that it is like the least addictive substance on the planet and sort of, um, so yeah, so she, Jeannie, if you, if you're out there, um, was the person who introduced and me. And what was the nature of the experience? So the nature of the experience, it was a, it was like a Saturday evening. We were indoors the whole time, which only now I have learned was like not the best idea. I mean, it was a good trip, but mm just being out in nature doing it i realized how much i missed out that first time but regardless it was like in the middle of the winter so we had our cannolis she waited she she wanted to wait until i entered the trip space before she had her dose okay um and i think it was something i had asked her to make sure that i was okay and so we took it and when it kicked in it was rough like I started shivering it was like in the middle of February we were watching 30 Rock like waiting for it to kick in and the screen was just so bright and like the people's faces were upside down and I was like oh shit like this is not and it's funny because now that I'm thinking about this past week this was a sentence that showed up a lot this week too it's like this is not what I signed up for <laughs> like this is not what I thought this would be and I felt really nauseous and I was like covered in a blanket and shivering. And I was like, and this is like, this is a very familiar narrative for me where I was like, this works for everyone else except for me. Hmm. And yeah, so it was just, and then I was sort of looking out the window and I was looking at the, it was in the winter in Denver. And so the branches were all bare, but they were like making a pattern. And I was like, okay, well, I guess that's all right. And so that went on probably for 45 minutes or an hour or something and then at some point the physical difficulty of it just sort of faded and I was in this really beautiful space um, and I started writing I'm, I'm a writer so I, I wanted to journal to sort of document what was happening and mm -hmm. I'm really glad I did because I've sort of read through it a bunch of times and I'm like oh yeah that you know that did happen okay. but um, you know, some of the things I was writing, one was like, it is absurd how seriously I take myself <laughs> and everything. Like, it's, it's crazy. Um, the other thing I wrote is like, you know, tomorrow morning, I know I'm going to wake up and be like, psych, like that wasn't real. Mm -hmm. But like, I really need to hold on to the feeling that I can actually see very clearly right mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. And the other thing was I, I kept... Um, I kept comparing it with my experience with marijuana because that's the only other drug I had ever used up until that point. And it was like, oh, no, this is totally different. Like my memory is my short term memory is very intact. Um, I'm, I feel very clear. And I also wrote this is a much more evolved drug than marijuana. <laughs> um, and, and I also wrote, you know, I, I think I keep looking for the truth and I want it to be something heavy like sex but really maybe it's something light like laughter mm. or something mm. like that 
And then I, you know, took one of the candles that Jeannie had made me buy and was like sort of walking around my apartment. And I was just looking around and thinking like everyday mundane existence is so beautiful mm. and I just never notice it. And yeah, and then it's sort of from there had, you know, we listened, we had made a playlist beforehand. So we listened to music, but that was sort of another difference where I think with marijuana, I become really interested in music, but much less so with mushrooms. It was just sort of there. And then, oh, <laughs> this was the other thing. She, at some point, I had the coconut water that she had gotten us. And I remember being like, this is the best thing I've ever had. I can't believe I eat Cheetos. <laughs> like, I can't believe <laughs> I like Cheetos. This is so much better. Um, yeah. Cheetos yeah. are one of my guilty pleasures as well. I got some I the other day. I still really like Cheetos. I got some the <laughs> other day, and I was like, I ate a little bit, and I was like, this is, why did I do this? <laughs> it, did, it didn't go over well. But anyway, so were, were you able to hold on to that, that the ability to take life less seriously? How long and how did that kind of yeah. fold into your life? You know, I don't know how much I, I think it, I, I'm, I was able to carry it sort of intellectually, but mm -hmm. suffice it to say, I continue to take myself seriously mm -hmm. and I still do. But um, I think it, it just sort of put things in perspective. I think this was also um, a point in time where I had applied for my internship, which comes after you know the four years of graduate school. And it's this sort of grueling process of months of applying to like 16 different places and flying everywhere to interview and writing these cover like. It's just, it's a months long process. Mm. And this was maybe a week before match day when I was going to find okay. out where I matched. So I was like a bundle of nerves. And I think it just put into perspective how little it mattered. And, um, and so I think some of that perspective taking maybe did stay with me. And I, at some point around that time, I don't think it was during the trip, but maybe it was, I came up with this idea of like an as if world where it felt like I live my life as if all these things matter, you know, mm. as if it matters whether I match at Columbia or, I, you know, and I, I think in the sense that that period of my life with that mushroom trip definitely did help me gain some perspective and carry some perspective about how some things that feel so important and so serious really aren't. And how more, how much more easeful it is to go through life when you like realize that the things you think matter don't, and that you're not that important, and you don't need to take yourself that seriously. And that's yeah. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, excellently. It's a, it's a hard lesson to learn. It's a really hard lesson to learn, and like it's so easy to get caught up in the moments of frustration or wanting something to be other than it is totally. and thinking that we know what how things are supposed to be totally and I, god i wish after how many times have the mushrooms just like dude chill out <laughs> like you're not in control yeah. and i still and like it's so oh. much better that i'm not in yeah control. oh yeah oh my god yeah i <laughs> could I, so I would screw it all better. up you know yeah but it, how quickly that can fade you know and we yeah. again think like, this is so important. Totally. And, like, really, what is more valuable than laughter? I can't think of a single reason. Th that comes up a lot a lot in the trip space for me. Um, you know, like, oftentimes people will, you know, like, really value the hard work, the tears. Like, you know, 
and like somebody be over in the corner laughing and somebody, whoever is like really upset and they're doing all the hard work and they're digging through all the pain is like, ah, oh, they need to stop laughing. Can't they see I'm suffering? Mm-hmm. And I, re- I just refuse to value one over the other. And in all honesty, I think that like one laugh is worth, worth a thousand tears perhaps, you know yeah. I mean? You see people like the Dalai Lama, like, like, Oh, he's always laughing. That dude, that's like, that's, that's who I want to be. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. he like, so anyway, uh, and just laughing at the absurdity of everything. Cause it is at everything. It Even is like, a, yeah. would it be okay if I, what do you need? Um, there was something I wrote in my first trip here, pretty short that yeah, I yeah, wanted yeah. to read. Yeah. If that would be okay. Yeah, absolutely. It had to do with the laughter and the absurdity. I l- yeah, please. Um, so this was it's a beautiful journal. My, thank you. This was my first trip at micro meditations. Um, Meditation, not pluralized. Plural, yeah. Meditations, yeah. okay. Um, so this is the bit that I wrote. So my purpose in this lifetime is just to show people how absurd and weird existing is and how hard it is to get out of your own way. It's to make people laugh. Oh, uh, that's beautiful. That was, that's be- yeah. And I never think about my purpose in life. Like that question just never interests me. As a psychologist, me. you don't think about your purpose in life? That's interesting. Um, I mean, I... I think about sort of what's meaningful to me or what's valuable to me and how to live a meaningful life or a valuable life, Mm -hmm. but not like what is my role in this lifetime. And I think that came to me pretty clearly in that space. Like my role in this lifetime is to show people how absurd everything is. Whatever. I don't, you know. Have you ever taken LSD? I have not. Oh, (laughs) oh, oh, oh. that is the, uh, yeah, the great revealer of absurdity mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I enjoy lsd so much because it's i feel like it allows me to really embrace my own that mushrooms still i don't know if you found this and really want to hear about more about your week uh, but for me i i still get caught up in that kind of intellectualizing the experience you know it's oh, yeah. it's whereas with lsd there's just like this ability to be a child at least for me Mm. it's like i can just be a kid again none of this matters it's all goofy let's play and have fun Mm. and uh so it's a really valuable and and beautiful medicine but sounds like you got a a nice glimpse into that with your mushroom trip here well the first one (laughs) yeah so let's talk about some of your experiences here sure just right into it all right right into it so um the first trip um, I took, you know, three grams of the psilocybin, and it turns out that I am very sensitive to the substance, and um, it was a lot of, hmm, it's hard to summarize it, because mm-hmm, it just mm-hmm. shifted a lot, um, but it was, you know, I, I think if I had to summarize the first trip and sort of the lesson that it taught me is it was a lot about trust. And sort of realizing what a mistrustful person I am, which I'm not always very aware of. Of others? Yeah, sort of. Um, I, I think if I had to sort of articulate it, I, I don't trust that people can anticipate and meet my needs. Okay. Um, and so the way that it was sort of projected and played out during my first trip was, you know, in the beginning, Justin came to sit with me. And I really wanted to talk to him. And I just felt like, is he going to leave and not come back? Is he here? Not because he wants to be here sitting with me, but because I'm forcing him to be here. Um, 
And, you know, and he sort of had to keep reassuring me that, no, he actually wants to be there. But it really sort of highlighted for me the way in which I have a hard time. Oh, and I, I think I also became aware of how much I worry about being annoying to other people. And so this sort of interesting event that happened in the course of my trip was in the beginning of it, you know, we were told to put our eye shades down and I just didn't want to. Like it was too hot on my face and I wanted to look around. And sort of as the trip was starting, I wanted to look at my body and like make sure I was still there or something. And so Nikisha, who's the nurse here, came by and or I sort of waved her over and I said, you know, can I not keep my eye shades on? I want to look at myself. And she kind of looked at me and was like, okay, but like eventually you have to put your eye shades on and, and then walked away. And I was like, she's so annoyed with me. Like she, you know, she's like, oh, this, this shit again. Like, you know, you have to do this. And I, you know, and she walked away and I was sort of, I had this ornery thought. I was like, you know, she doesn't know what's best for me. I'm going to keep it off, whatever. And then eventually I did put it on and I went inside and had the experience that I had. And then later she came, you know, it was probably an hour or two later, she came by and I was like, oh, you weren't annoyed with me. She's like, no, I wasn't annoyed with you. She was like, no, I just had the feeling that there was something more that you had to go inside to get and bring it out. Mm. And that's why I was telling you to put your eye shades on. And so really um, mm. sort of shed light on the way in which I you know, I assume people are annoyed with me. I assume people are fed up with me and that's really not their experience. And so that was really a beautiful thing that happened. And then um, later on toward the end of the trip, you know, the whole group went down to the beach and it was just the most, one of the most beautiful experiences of my life where I felt really tapped into everyone and I felt like I had a sense of what everyone needed and where I was needed and... Um, I had this, this was also an, a thing I never believed in before this. I really, really didn't. Like, everything happens for a reason. Everything happens at the same, you know, at the exact time that it's supposed to happen. Um, and that sense of, like, everything being perfect and exquisitely detailed and happening the way that it was supposed to was with me. And it was just a really beautiful experience. So that was the first trip. Which is interesting in comparison to uh, this this idea of purpose, right? Your individual purpose, because mm-hmm. you you said you don't spend much time thinking about your purpose, purpose, but then you have this experience where you see the kind of the purpose or the perfection totally. in everything. Were totally. were you able to see that in yourself as well? Perfection in myself? Mm-hmm. I don't know that I was. Yeah, I don't know that I was. But yeah, I mean, I think the sense of purpose, like I I think one of the thoughts I had is like, it had to be us five. Mm. Like this group of five had to come together. You know, I was talking to another one of the guests about, you know, her experience with her kids. And it was like clear as day to me that it had everything to do with my experience with my family. And Mm. I was on the other end of it. And we were here together to heal each other around this idea. This, this fascinates me endlessly. <clears throat> the last retreat that we had is the same thing. It comes up so often. And it's just, I, I, I don't believe that it's just some kind of like interpretation of ours. Mm-mm. That it is, in fact, a reality that the people who are meant to be together in this space to help each other there is a connection that exists before they arrive here. And we don't we don't know that these individuals exist 
outside of our sphere. And then when they come in, and this 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 deep understanding that I could not be who I am right now in this moment without you in this moment as well. Yes. It's, it's wild. It's 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 magical. It's it's mysterious. Um, yeah, I, I, endlessly fascinating. It's, endlessly it fascinating. Really, it really is. It really is. And I think for someone who, in some ways, is really sort of cynical about these things, and you know, takes the you know existential route of like meaning is what you make it. Mm-hmm. Right? There's no predetermined thing or nothing. Er, you know things that seem synchronous or whatever are coincidences and so it's about the meaning we give them and it's about the meaning we give hardship and I think that's you know a lot of ways that's been my belief system for a long time but I think this week really opened me to the possibility that actually no things happen for a reason and there is a plan and um do you have a religious background yes so I um I'm Jewish I grew up in a fairly secular kind of traditional family mm-hmm. but you know through a strange series of events I ended up at an orthodox Jewish school and so I myself without my family ended up becoming religious okay. for about eight years and I, I guess during that time there was maybe more of a sense of you know things happen for a reason or there's a plan or whatever um, but when I stopped being religious when I was 19 years old I think you know there was a sense that that was sort of yanked away from me and I felt like logically that just didn't make sense you know logically it didn't make sense to say things happen for a reason it's like all right well then why do you know toddlers suffer right it it just you know felt cruel to to think that or to believe that but this week just somehow sort of i i got hit in the face with it in a way that was undeniable it seems like a a a cop-out or a shortcut a lot right when people say that oh everything happens it's like eh, come on really you're just trying to justify the moment totally but then when you and i have always been a very skeptical person uh but like consistently seeing things line up and and particularly in the mushroom space to just stand back and observe how the whole thing moves it's insane there's there's just no other way that it could have been it could and that that is now as well. There's no, there's nothing else than for us to be here having this conversation right totally. now. But it's not clear right now. No. To me at right. least. Right. No, no, no. You maybe get fleeting moments of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then like for uh, often if we grab a hold of that, then we start trying to analyze the meaning. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we lose, we lose the purpose. We lose it once we start to like think about it and stop experiencing it. And just one of the most beautiful things that this medicine allows us to do is just be in the moment. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And sometimes it's terrifying to be in the moment. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes. And that, you know, that's that was my more. My second trip was. Okay. In what way? Terrifying how? Sure. Um, yeah. I You know, I as we were sort of integrating it the next day, I, I said at the outset, I think yesterday was the hardest day of my life. Um where obviously I took a higher dose, the, you know, eight grams, which for me, I guess, was a lot. And yeah, that's, that's, that's uh, yeah. <laughs> it was hefty. Yeah. It was a really hefty dose. And um, basically, at first, it was just physically brutal. Like, I felt like my, you know, we were out in the sun, even though I was in the shade, I felt like my body was just burning up. Can I, can I draw back sure. for just a second? Of course. I'm interested how you came to the eight grams, just not being a part of this retreat. Oh, sure. Mm. Yeah. So, um, 
so th- my first dose was the three grams and then you know the idea was to kind of go up and Justin suggested anywhere between six to eight six or seven and I you know having just had this first experience where I came to believe in sort of signs and numbers significance and whatever and the first oh this was so the first trip was on 8-8 August 8th okay. 2020 mm-hmm. it was my nephew's second birthday who was born on 8818. It was um, Justin and Abby's anniversary, mm-hmm. and of course he was with us that day. And I f- found out the next day it was also International Cat Day, and I'm a very big cat <laughs> person. So there was something about the number eight that like felt very significant to me at that point. And I was also thinking about how I left Iran, where I was born, when I was eight years oh, old. Oh, okay. And then Justin was like, "Oh, and when you turn it on the side, it's infinity." Mm. And so I was like, "Okay, eight grams there it is." is. <laughs> that's, that's, so that's sort of how we came up with that okay. number. And, um, yeah, pretty early on, it became very, very difficult. So it was very physically taxing. I was, again, like I said, I felt like I was burning up. I felt weak, and there was just this immense wave of pain that came up that didn't feel attached to anything. Like, I wasn't thinking about any event or any person in my life. I was just in a lot of pain. Physical pain that physical or emotional pain that I was feeling in my body. Okay, okay. And I felt really weak, and I got it in my head that I was giving birth, that I was Mm -hmm. in labor, okay, that I was burning up with a fever. I I I'm not a mother. I have not given birth. Um, but that all of a sudden I was pregnant, and in the beginning I I felt like I was my mother giving birth to me, but that passed, and then. I sort of got the idea that everyone was there for me to give birth on behalf of mm, the group or mm-hmm. something. And that Denise, um, the therapist that was with us, was sort of there as my midwife. And Nikki, the nurse, was there as the nurse. And I, it was just so vivid to me. And I was like, I've never given birth before. I, I don't think I can do this. And Denise said, you know, you are one of a long line of women who are like being initiated into this. You're going to do this. And I kept saying, this is so hard. And she said, this is hard, but you're strong. And she kind of kept saying Mm. it to me. And I was just like, oh, and then there was another point that I was just throwing an absolute fit. So I I definitely (laughs) regressed. I was digging my heels and I was like, I don't want to do this. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense i don't understand and denise said something that just went straight to my heart she said it's okay you don't have to understand Mm. everything and Mm. i just started crying and there Mm. was a lot of yeah i mean i i was told by the other members later on that i was just throwing a tantrum about how much i didn't want to do it and at some point i you know i lay back down i closed my eyes and then all the visuals came on and I felt like something was sort of working its way through me and it was all it was a lot of sort of Hindu imagery a lot of colorful hands sort of doing weird things and after and again I I felt like I was just engulfed in terror in some ways and I opened my eyes and all of a sudden I had the distinct sense that I was in another realm there was no time and I had just woken up into some other reality and I was like, I just want to go back to the way things were. And I think at some point again, Denise was with me and she sort of just like mirrored that. But I, you know, and then, oh, 
oh boy. Um, and then sort of, you know, I, I thought about, like language started to collapse and I, um, and then I went into what Justin earlier on that week had described as the unitive state where every, I was just like, everyone is the same person, everything is the same thing, good and bad are the same thing. Not, and <laughs> at some point I was walking across the lawn, I think holding maybe Denise's hand and I felt like I was a child. I was like, nothing matters. You know, the shower doesn't matter and this doesn't matter and that doesn't matter. And you know, everything is the same thing and everyone is sort of a projection of my own mind. And everything had to, everything in my life had to happen this way for me to get to this point. And there is no third dose. This is it. Everyone's been in on this. Um, that this is, a, and it felt like it was a play. And I had the sense that reality and this existence was packing it in mm. and was getting ready to end. And everything had to happen in my life to get to this point. And then there was something where I was, I became aware that there's nothing outside of my consciousness. And I just tried to keep getting away, but I was like, there's nothing. I'm, I'm just like trapped in my consciousness and everything, there's nothing outside of consciousness, not my consciousness, mm -hmm, all the mm -hmm, same consciousness. Mm -hmm. And that was terrifying. Um, that was really scary. I don't know why. Well, I do. I think it was because I was resisting it. Mm. I was resisting it and I just wanted to go back to the way things were. And um, I definitely became aware of the suffering of other people that I carry as a therapist and how overwhelming that is. And I don't remember how that trip ended, but eventually I came back down and I sat with some of the members and we talked a little bit and I came back down to earth. But yeah, I, I entered another realm. I, I don't know that there's any other way to put it mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. any other you know scientifically sanctioned way to describe what had happened but that was the second dose and again there's this kind of juxtaposition right you've got the d the dose before when everything had this profound purpose and meaning and, and perfection yeah. and then you go to the flip side where nothing matters nothing matters can <laughs> both can both be true I, I guess in the sense that it matters for this lifetime on this earth. Mm. But, you know, I, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I and that was sort of my intention for the third trip is I wanted things to matter again. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I think it has to be that they're both, you know, both the case. I think there's like some quote in the Bible. Abraham said, yeah, I'm not even going to try it because I'm going to butcher it. But basically the idea that we're both nothing and everything mm -hmm. at the same time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, more absurdity. More absurdity. <laughs> more absurdity. And absurdity is great. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And, and yeah, I think the first trip was also just how absurd existence is. Maybe that's like what all of this political and social stuff is a part of a part of what it's teaching us is just the, I mean, because we, now when I look at the situation, I'm just like, this is fucking absurd. Oh my gosh. Like, this, none of this makes <laughs> any sense none. whatsoever. Yeah. You know, and so I've, I'm always, or not always, but I've come to be quite comfortable with chaos um, because that's what order ultimately dis distills from, right? Mm -hmm. And so the meaninglessness, the purposelessness, the absurdity, all of the 
architecture that we see around us comes from that like Wah, wah. you know <laughs> like electrons we still don't even know what the fucking electron is nope. you know <laughs> the basic building <laughs> like, <block>. <laughs> and then you go up from there yeah yeah so it's just so it's so fascinating so so did you find purpose did you find meaning again in your third experience sort of so if i may go through that one um i found something really really precious and important but let me i'll bury the lead a little bit um, so I, you know, in preparation for the third dose, Justin asked me if I wanted to stay at my dose from last time, go down or go up. And he said, I could see you going either way. And I was like, hell no, I'm not doing, you know, that much again. And so initially I said, let's go back down to three, which was where I was for my first trip. And then I was like, you know what, you're here. You might as well like go a little higher if you could. So I said, you know, give me four. Mm-hmm. He gave me the four. And... Basically, as soon as the trip started, I was like, oh, this is going exactly where it went last time on the eight grams. And it turns out that the mushrooms do not give a shit that I took four grams instead of eight (laughs) grams and that I just wanted a nice, gentle experience (laughs) where I work through my insomnia And I worked through my, you know, my experiences with my family. And I think what I really wanted for the first or for the third trip is for my life to matter again Mm -hmm. and my concerns to matter again. And I think I had it in my head that like every person in my family is going to show up one by one and I'm going to have conversations with them and resolve it and whatever. And as soon as the mushrooms kicked in, I was like, nope, that's not what's happening. (laughs) I started burning up again. I went up to the bathroom. I looked at myself in the mirror. And as it was with the second trip, my skin looked really ashen. And there was, like, all this color swirling underneath it. And I was like, oh, fuck this shit again. <laughs> like, I, like, am I supposed to do this for six more hours? I just was so annoyed. I was like, oh, you know, am I going to go through this again? And so I came back down. And... I waved Denise over and I asked her to, oh, first I got hosed down because I started to burn up again. And then I asked Denise to come and sit with me. And, you know, again, sort of the visuals showed up and I was like, I think the, you know, and I I think what I kept thinking about was like the mushrooms are taking me again and they're, you know, and I was like, I, and it, you know, went to that same space of, I don't want to do this. I am so tired and weak and like, this is too much pain. And so Denise walked me over a little bit and I, you know, got down on my, you know, hands and knees and she was trying to, she told me to like give the, you know, to give the pain to the earth. The earth is strong. It can handle it. See if you can give it to the earth. And she kept saying, this is not your pain. You're carrying other people's pain. And I was just like, I, you know, I, I was really sort of panicked and like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And she said, you know, Justin is doing some of the work for you which I lear- later learned is he, you know, he was purging for me while I was sort of in that state. And so eventually, and I asked her to cradle my head and she did. And I think, you know, my experience with both the second and third trip was I, I regressed. I regressed to being a child again and kind of thinking about Denise as my mother and needing her to be there with me. And so eventually we went back to under the tree where I had set up shop and she said, you know, y- you need to close your eyes and go back in for a little bit longer. And I was like, I don't want to. And I was scared and I was having some, you know, I guess what I would call auditory hallucinations. I was like, there were words that kept showing up, like has and hasn't. 
and there was sort of a tune that was stuck in my head and I was just like I don't want to go again like I I don't want to go back inside I don't want to see the visuals I don't want to hear the sounds and she was you know very gently like you you kind of have to do this and I said okay I'll do it but I only if you stay here and hold my hand and Mm. she said okay and I you know there was also a point where I kept asking her questions and like she was answering me, but I wasn't really interested in the answers. I mostly <laughs> just, I didn't want her to leave. So mm-hmm. I was like stalling. And I, I said that to her and she's like, I'm not leaving. Like that's in your head. I said, okay. So anyway, um, I, you know, closed my eyes, held her hand, started to go in. There was a little bit more resistance that showed up. I started to like sort of convulse a little bit. I think I was, I was sobbing. And then we got to talking about resistance and she said, listen, this is your opportunity to let go of control and let go of resistance. And she and I said, I can't stop resisting because if I do, I'm going to go in the same space as Monday and I feel like I'm going to I'm going to drown. And I felt really congested. So I felt like I couldn't breathe. And she said, "Okay, then let yourself drown. And and, and she said, no, I'm not. She's like, do you resist a lot? And I said, I'm resisting now because I'm trying to not go back to where I was. And she said, no, in general. the question didn't make a lot of sense to me I was like I guess anyway eventually I closed my eyes and I went in and something I guess that she had said just shifted something in me and I was like I am just going to let go and let the mushrooms take me wherever they want to take me and if they want to go take me back to where I went on Monday where there was timelessness okay if I'm going to feel terror again, okay. If I'm going to feel existence end again, okay. And this is such a cliche, but as soon as I stopped resisting, everything just became so much easier. Mm. Mm. And I started weeping and just telling Denise about, I was like, this is a life hack. Like <laughs> I just realized mm. that if you stop resisting, it's just so much easier and she said you don't have to work so hard and so i put my hands on my feet on the ground and i just kept saying i surrender i surrender and you know the visuals played themselves out and i felt like they were emptying me out and i surrender i surrender at some point i looked up at denise and i said to her what she had been saying to me all week i said this is hard but i am strong And I kept surrendering, and after a few minutes, whatever time is in that space, I opened my eyes back up, and everything was just so perfect. And I just felt so light, and I started walking around. And Denise said to Nikki, Sherry just discovered surrendering. And Nikki just gave me a big hug. And after that, things just felt so much lighter Hmm. and it just felt like sort of maybe that was the end of the arc of the week or the three doses and um so yeah and I you know sort of I kept walking around the lawn and every time a thought that I didn't want popped up or I I was picking up on some other people's energies and it was painful and I didn't want to feel it I was just like I surrender and a wasp bit me sitting right here and I was like, oh, cool. What a, you know, what a cool opportunity to practice <laughs> surrendering. I was like, I surrender. And, you know, and the, uh, there were a couple of uh, sort of sentences that came to me. It's my first trip. Um, and Denise kind of joked and said I should put this on a T-shirt. And I might was, 
it was all just a big fucking misunderstanding. <laughs> and like realizing so many things in my life that had hurt me was just a misunderstanding. Oh. And then from this third trip, the takeaway or my new mantra was, okay, okay, like this thing is happening, okay. And just realizing how much easier life gets when I'm not constantly trying to like ward things off. So Gosh, that is a big one. That was a big one. That's a big it one. Was, how are you going to hold on to that, big. do you think? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I, I think I'm just going to have to keep reminding myself. And I think it also kind of goes with the idea from the first trip that just everything is unfolding as it should. Mm. And everything is happening, you know, in the right time. And one of my... One of my maybe top two things I was hoping to get from this week was sort of solving the problem of why it's been so hard for me to find a partner um, and how it just never works out. And, you know, I learned two things that sort of solved this problem for me. So one is that, you know, part of the issue might be that I'm not trusting of people mm. um, and that's something I can work on. And then the second was, it will happen when it happens. Mm. Like, it will happen in the right time, and you don't have to worry about it, and you don't have to change yourself. Like, it, yeah, it'll happen when it happens. And then as far as the I surrender thing, I think it's just sort of, I, I think I have to hold on to that mantra when I feel myself starting to push back or saying, I don't want this. I don't want this. I don't want to go. Like, I, when I start digging my heels in, mm. Um, I was meditating this morning and I tried to kind of keep coming back to the I surrender, I surrender. So that's that's as far as I've gotten so far. That's beautiful. Um, and, you know, there are so many little opportunities to practice these lessons yeah. every day. You know, like there's, I don't know, there's a, a million things that could point to right now that maybe could be better, you know, or different, but they're not. And what else i mean we can fight it we can tooth and nail try it's just tiring it's so exhausting it's so and i mean you know i i try to be really honest with myself and everyone in this i mean i, I spent last week just like resisting like fuck like this mm. is not this is not what it's supposed to be <laughs> right and then what were you, know, you resisting um it's um I guess interpersonal relationships, really. Um, I, I want people to be different than they are. Yeah. And that's just not going to happen, you know. And I found myself at some point accepting it and just being able to love people as they are and yeah. without the expectations that they're. But it's so it's so frustrating that we get back in these loops. And I, th I th it seems like it's important, it's valuable that we actually go back through these loops, right? Because then when we learn the lesson again, hopefully we learn it more, more solidly again. Yeah, yeah, it's like, okay, all right, now, okay, I'm getting closer to that continued realization. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so, so you came here for personal reasons or professional reasons or a mix of both? Uh, 70% personal, 30% okay. professional. Okay. Yeah, I would imagine. I mean, we worked with a lot of therapists, mm -hmm. and uh, it's, it's like you said, there's a lot, you take on a lot of stuff from the people that you work with. And ha have you found this 
effective as a, and, and there's obviously your own personal history and that's mm-hmm. not just the only thing that would have impacted your life. But, um, you know, as a, as a therapist, someone that's working with people on a regular basis and then coming to this you know, medicine mm-hmm. as a therapeutic, the question I want to ask, and this may be a wrong way of putting it, but do you feel like this is in any way threatening to your profession, that psychedelics are in mm-hmm. any way threatening? Because it seems to me like there's there's two sides of the fence that I'm seeing as an outsider on this. Mm-hmm. There are the therapists that are, the, these are the tools that are going to change the future of mental health, yeah. and then there are those that are really resistant to it. And I'm trying to understand the resistance, and the only thing that I can conceive of being is that it that it would feel threatening if you can go to a mushroom, yeah, you know. and do ten years of therapy exactly. in one day. Right. Yeah. So, before before we kind of get into how this has helped you process personally and professionally, sure. what's the what do you see? Where how do you see that intersect? Hmm. Between it being helpful or not? Well, between it being a useful tool for therapy or a yeah. or not a threat, but um, you know, taking taking something away. Not, not even taking something away, but requiring because there's a lot of training. There's a lot, a lot that goes into becoming a psychologist, mm-hmm. right? A lot of schooling, a lot of money, mm-hmm. and if people can go and and the there's the whole pharmaceutical industry, and mm-hmm. if if we can go and reliably work with these medicines and obviously you need help there you need support through the experience Mm -hmm. but the majority of the work is done by the individual and and the medicine yes right so how do you how do you how do you feel about yeah this i mean i my my first response is you know in my first trip i remember there was a moment where i was like i have to do this as a healer um, and th- this just is a complete game changer in terms of how therapy can be done. Um, you know, I, I don't know what the people who are resistant to it, what their sort of problem with it is. I, I, I would imagine some of it might be sort of job security. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I imagine another might be that, you know, it kind of brings up a lot of unconscious material and so I could see that there might be people who are concerned that, you know, defenses are there for a reason and that stuff might come up for some people that they're not able to work through and work with and that that might be sort of harmful or damaging mm. in some way. I, I don't know. I've never heard that, but I would I would imagine. How do you, how, how do you feel about that? Do you feel there's truth in that? Or? Um, I I I think there could be truth to it, but I I think that's that's why it's so important to have spaces like this one, where people are taking the mushrooms under the care of therapists and guides. And um, I think you know if someone were to take, especially a high dosage without mm-hmm. you know really trained professionals present, I could see that being harmful, mm-hmm, and definitely. I could see it sort of opening a Pandora's box that they are not ready to deal with. Um, so, yeah, but I also, you know, I just speaking for myself and, you know, my patients, like if it means that, you know, coming to a retreat like this means they terminate with me because they figure their stuff out good. Um, and you know, again, I, I want this to be work that I get to do as well Mm -hmm. with people who are dosing. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, if you know, I, I remember reading on like the TripAdvisor page for micro meditation where people are like, oh, you know, I did 10 years of therapy in one day. It's like, great. Like that's 10 years of life that this will buy you because you had this realization now instead of 10 years from mm -hmm. now. And I still think there's still a place for therapy. I think, oh, yeah. you know, you you can have this experience and go back and now integrate it into the work that you're doing with therapy, it, with your therapist and deepen the work. Um, so, uh, you know, for me personally, I, I don't find it threatening to the work of therapy at all. And if anything, I, you know, I can throughout the week, I've been thinking of a couple of patients that I would really love to send here because I I think they would just really benefit from doing this kind of work and i i think that they are sort of defended in ways that i'm i haven't been able to help them with mm -hmm. um and i think it would be such a such a big gift to them to have this kind of experience and and a gift to the therapy you know mm -hmm. when they come back mm -hmm. well you know and psychedelics are helpful for healthy people and therapy is helpful for healthy, healthy people as well i mean it's sure. like an ongoing processing of life and everything that it throws at us yes yes how do you see this fitting into mental health well um i'm not sure uh i mean one thing is i you know over and over i've heard that you know within the next five years their psychedelics or, or at least mushrooms are going to become legal in the states mm -hmm. um i think you know there's gonna have to be a big move toward training therapists um, to work with psychedelics and work with patients in the trip space and before the trip space and after the trip space and of course that already exists some of it underground some of it mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. um, and you know I, I think obviously there's already a model for you know therapists being with patients through their trip and doing you know both the prep work and the integration work afterward and sort of being with them in the trip space where you know there's more neuroplasticity and openness to kind of integrating things in a really deep way mm -hmm. um so yeah and i you know I, I think one thing i would like to see happen and i'm sure is happening with a lot of these therapies um, or therapists who are working with the mushroom is you know it has to happen outside I was going to ask you about it that. It has to happen yeah. outside. I mean, I my first two trips, one was a solo trip by myself, and the first one, like I said, was with my friend. We're both indoors, and, you know, only this week did I realize that there was so much that I sort of missed out on by not being Can you outside. talk about some of the value that it adds? Oh, sure. Um, I think, you know, obviously there's the, the thing about set and setting, and so the, the just being... Okay, so I guess being outside helped me feel, and this was especially my first trip, connected to the earth, see myself as part of nature. Um, I mean, it's also just beautiful, like sort of looking at the ground and seeing all the different colors. But I think it, I think what was really invaluable about it that I missed out on my first two trips is a sense of belonging with the earth mm. um, and a sense of seeing myself as part of all of that. Which, as a society overall, I think we miss out on generally. You know, oh we spend yeah. most of our lives indoors or surrounded by concrete. Oh, yeah, especially uh, us city folks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you've probably seen some of the research around uh, uh, ecological awareness and psychedelics. That, no, I yeah, haven't. There's, uh, I forget what the percentage is and how it's rated, but people that take psychedelics are 
more ecologically minded, which, mm. you know, Makes duh. <laughs> Checks out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, well, uh, I, 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 I do wonder how it's going to incorporate into the current medical psychological models because so much of that is extracted from nature um and i guess it's just going to take more therapists consuming the medicine themselves and kind of understanding how it how it works yeah and i yeah and i think too like you know with the for for the you know psychodynamic or psychoanalytic amongst us i think it's such a powerful exercise on um sort of having the subconscious come to the surface and be enacted and projected and it's just so ripe for so much work Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. to be done in that space were you able to step out of that role this week or did you find yourself trying to be a psychologist to the group not so much i mean i i not so much i think when i found myself in that space there was a part of me that was like i kind of I want to do a little bit of listening and being there for, but it also felt really important to sort of hold my boundary of I'm mm-hmm. here for my own healing mm-hmm. this week. Did you have any direct experiences with, you know, you said that he said the pain that you were carrying was not yours. Yeah. Um, but were you cognizant of any of that and in, in that, like, I'm actually processing trauma oh, or so much i honestly i I very much felt like it was my pain Mm -hmm. um other than i was you know there were a few patients i was thinking of in in that second trip space um but i maybe a little bit in the third trip i i was a little bit more cognizant of like i carry around other people's pain do you have a personal practice that helps you process not not as much as i should Mm. you know there have definitely been times in my life where I've been in my own therapy. Um, I'm not right now. Right mm-hmm. now, I'm just trying to like take better care of my body, take more breaks. Um, but this idea of you know, can you give the pain to the earth because it can handle it, which like seemed ridiculous at the time, actually ended up being really helpful. Mm-hmm. And then this idea that also, you know, sort of a few meters across the lawn, Justin was sort of taking on my pain and sort of channeling my pain and purging it was a very novel idea, but also a really interesting one. So both that I carry other people's pain, but also other people can process my pain Mm -hmm, for me. mm -hmm. That sort of interconnectedness between us. Yeah, that's some that's some shit I would have not believed. Yeah. Even five years ago, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. there's personally very interested in how um, our understandings of um, physical and psychological health are going to be um, enlightened by our continued understanding of uh, the quantum or energetic mm-hmm. selves. Uh, and for, for me, you know, it's pretty obvious to most people that I'm not a therapist. Uh, but what I have come to be really intrigued by and um, more versed in, uh, more direct experience with, is that um, kind of ephemeral nature of who we are and that this individual that we see is such a small percentage of what we actually are and so Mm -hmm. when we when we talk about this 
giving it to the earth or a connectedness to all things or experiencing other people's energy is just it's so fascinating it's to me. So fascinating. Yeah. I didn't even believe in energy, like in that way. You know, mm-hmm. I thought of energy like you eat food, you have energy, so you do stuff. Totally. But this idea of like, we, you know, yes, and yesterday as I was walking around in the trip space, I was just like aware of this vortex of energy that was surrounding us. The spot right here. Did you say this is where you got stung? What were you saying? Where you said you got stung mm-hmm. right here? No, I. Oh no, I. I did stung. Oh, I got, oh, stung. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I got stung by a wasp right Over here. here. Yeah. This spot right here, <clears throat> excuse me, this spot, I call this my office. I don't know what, I don't know what it is, but if, if I could tell you the number of times that just some real weirdness has happened right, right there, there. Oh, right that's, there. That's exactly that where is I was sitting. Right there, this guy, wow. Garrett, <laughs> this guy that we had, a, <laughs> it was the most wild. It was one of the first very profound experiences of of tangibly feeling and engaging with energy but we're i'm over we're over here and um i'm, I'm you know kind of in meditation just kind of filling the space and justin comes to me he's like hey we got a puker and I'm like all right we'll send him over to the spot which this is the spot that i just kind of always sent people to and i never really knew why well i knew why because it seemed like when people got back here, they could just like purge here. And I had always felt that it was the sense of privacy, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I came back over here and Garrett, guy, I love this guy so much. <laughs> Garrett, love you, miss you. We're going to get together again soon. Uh, he was on one of my early, early episodes. But we're sitting here and he's like, he's like, man, I got a, I got a, a big purge coming. I was like, well, that's, that's great. This is, this is the spot. And he's just like, no, you don't understand. This is gonna be big. And I was like, well, let's just let's just chill and see. And so this is not a night trip. And I was like, let's just chill here and see. And I said, as I said that, there was a crow on the balcony above us. And I, I said, let's just hang here and see. And the crow goes, ah ah ah. Wow. Nine o'clock at night, right? <laughs> and I look up at it, and there's like he looks at me, kind of lifts his eyebrow. I'm like, it's, it's all it's all good. I know it's all good. It's like let's just see what happens. And he's like, no, man, I don't, I don't, I, I, you don't understand. It's going to be big. And I was like, well, let's just give it a minute. Crow. Ah, ah. Anyway, it happened three times. And then we actually was like, uh, so if I had the third time the crow, I was like, all right, okay, I get it. And then, so we ended up over in this field and I was, it, so God, I'm going to get weird here, but there has come this point where like I can, I'll, I'll I'll put somebody in a spot, and then I'll kind of walk away, right? And then I'll get like 15 or 20 feet away, and then I'll just kind of like not look at them, not close my eyes, but just like start moving towards the person again until I can kind of feel their their bubble, I call it. And this guy it was it was I don't know probably 12 feet away from him, and he was going through a massive purging and I, when I, I, could, I would get to this certain boundary and I could just boom I was I was puking as well and so like it came to the point where and he and I talked about this a lot and I know he's comfortable with me sharing this um, but it came to the point where like I could I could like dig into his stuff and and help 
pull it out. And there's just like, we have no context for that. And so like, there's like hundreds of experiences that went way beyond that, that I had to start trying to understand mm-hmm. what's going on. Mm-hmm. And while I've always respected um, kind of traditional shamanism and all that, I don't, I don't have any context for that, right? I don't have, that's not my culture. That's not, I'm a science person. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's only in quantum theory and, and these uh, old, very ancient esoteric Taoist um, practices and, and understandings of the, hu- the human or not just the human, of the energetic mm-hmm. nature of existence uh, that I've been able to put any of the pieces together and it has been just endlessly fascinating, oh, yeah. endlessly fascinating. And that's one of the first things the mushrooms told me. Like, again, like kind of one of the pieces of advice I always try to give uh, the groups that I'm working with is listen to the mushroom. Listen. If I would have yeah. listened and, and believed, I would be so much more advanced than I am now. Yeah. And one of the first things it said to me is that it's all energy. It's all energy, and it like that we see all of this stuff as solid, and it's not. It's not. It's not. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's an illusion, yeah. and so like this kind of place where you got into on your second trip of this, it's like being in a soup of existence, you know, and it's like all of it adds flavor, and it's all like such a perfect and important part. Yes. But at the same time, it's a speck of sand in the cosmos. <laughs> it's. Uh. And it was threatening to close up shop. <laughs> it, was, it was like, oh, this is the curtain call. <laughs> okay. Good stuff. Good, Good stuff. stuff. So what's your billboard? Oh, I, I couldn't come down with one. I think I have like four. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah, I, I want to see right. just all over the country. All right. Okay, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So there will be some different billboards. <laughs> but one was, like I said, my from my first trip was it's all been a big fucking understanding misunderstanding misunderstanding i'm sorry it's all been one big fucking misunderstanding (laughs) um the second one was from my second trip or my third trip of surrender which is okay Mm. you know that just okay um the third one is and i guess these latin next two are more billboards that would be sort of advertisement for micro meditation it would be well let's advertise the mushroom oh the mushroom (laughs) sure uh okay then the third one i think would be trust that the mushroom knows exactly what you need Mm -hmm. which is again an absurd idea right right? like that this you know fungus has an intelligence about me and knows me and what i need but that i mean that was exactly it that was exactly it um so those yeah those would be my three excellent excellent uh so so you've gotten you've gotten out of your box a little bit this week then i would say so (laughs) (laughs) just a little bit excellent well i hope that it sticks with you and i hope that i'm confident that you will carry this back to the clients that you work with and um be an even better healer yourself i hope so too thank you very much thanks for having having uh having what i had you right Thanks for having us as a part of your journey. (laughs) Thank you for having me on this podcast. (laughs) All right. I just love when we get educated, grounded individuals saying that the mushroom knows what's good for them. (laughs) Uh, I know. I don't know what to make of it either. It really does seem to many people 
that there is an intelligence behind this organism. Maybe it's just the intelligence that's behind all life. That makes sense to me. Uh, but <laughs> it's funny that it gets wrapped up in a little mushroom, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode and all of the episodes of Michael Meditations Psilocybin Chronicles. Thanks as always. Until next time.